0: Hi, Bodie. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I, um, ha- I'm so happy to be here filling in for Brad Spillane and hosting the Men's Mental Health Show And I, because I have actually been a keen listener for a long, long time and uh, I love hearing about your garden. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's firing ahead uh, at the moment with all the rain and the heat, uh, so my veggie garden and the native garden is just beautiful.
0: Yeah, well done. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: It's my therapy, um, uh, among other sorts of therapies that I've done um, in terms of my training and and background and that sort of stuff. And uh, when I get stuck, um, I certainly go and find someone to chat with, Um, particularly a a woman therapist really works for me. Um, um, So that's really interesting. Um, But garden is an adjunct. It's like a meditation. Once I'm in the garden and I'm talking to the plants, um, Mm -hmm. there's a stillness. Uh, inside me, the, the mind's not chattering, um, I'm just... Uh, living in the moment. Living in the moment. Mm. And, uh, so it's one of my great pleasures, that and reading, um, where I also lose myself. In yeah, me end. too.
0: Um, I love it too. I've been working on a veggie patch. I had to clear a whole corner of my yard and then I got two big planter boxes and I've filled them with big lumps of wood because apparently um, they work really well for filtration and they hold moisture from rain. So I'm filling them with wood first, big chunks of firewood, uh, Mm. and um, then I'll get some soil delivered and start planting. So I'll have to, yeah, pick your brain later and see what, what I should start planting. Yes. So, Brody, yeah, it's really nice for me to finally meet you because I have... It's nice to put a face to the name because I've been a long-time listener of the Men's Mental Health Show. I think Brad does fantastic work. Actually, I've been moved to tears. Yeah. I've been driving along with my son, who's 14, in the car. And, then, and we've arrived at our destination and we were listening to Brad. And I think he was interviewing an ex-policeman who had had some PTSD. And he had anger issues. And my son and I were both... Just riveted and didn't want to get out of the car when we arrived at oh. our destination. And I was moved. I've been moved to tears many times on this show. He really does cover some important topics. So to, no, together, the two of you do good work. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So and, lovely and to meet you.
1: Thank you. And um, it's lovely to have w- um, three women on the show today. I know. Hats off to
0: Brad for <laughs> letting yeah, letting us open. drive. Yeah, Not yeah. all men let women drive. No, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that means something, but.
1: Well, what? what it means for me is that um, um, men's mental health is, um, is is not a thing that stands alone. I think it stands in relationship with uh, with women. So. Uh um, I think it's a crucial sort of kind of issue.
0: True, men's mental health affects all of us, yep, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely, um, and men's mental health is powerfully affected by the, by the good women in their lives. And when things get stuck, um, uh, you know, mental health can actually really uh, bolt into the hills, if you like. So, um, you know, we're more dependent on on each other, um, you know, for our well-being. Um, and um, when we understand that and grasp it. You know, then, there are, then we start moving back towards each other again. So, you know, because I think we're powerfully attracted, to, um, historically, um, genetically, and all of that, um, and emotionally. Um, so, yeah. And that's
0: what a, a true companion is: is there to pick the other up when one is down. Absolutely. Together, we make a great team if we can support each other. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, your show does a lot to foster that. So, let's introduce the two uh, our two guests today, Penny and Alini. Aleni. Eleni. Eleni, lovely to meet you. Thank you. you. Thanks for coming all the way from the northern beaches in Sydney
2: (laughs) to the beautiful Blue Mountains. Excited to be here. (laughs) We arrived just that afternoon and relaxed in and had a little wander around and just grounded ourselves, really. Yep. And, um, you know, we were able just to discuss, you know, the points that we wanted to sort of bring up and validate today. So um, that's given us that time this morning as well. So we're really looking forward to the next um, hour and a half. And you're staying at the Carrington, I believe. little shout-out to the Carrington
0: because the Carrington Hotel is an institution in Katoomba Mm -hmm. and it's a huge supporter of Radio Blue Mountains. Actually, we have so, so many good sponsors and really tight programming here at Radio Blue Mountains Mm -hmm. at the moment. This has been a real... uh, We're going gangbusters this year. I know a lot of other people are struggling, but um, Mm. we love our community radio and all our supporters, including... Noel Pope from the Lawson Post Office News, news Agency, I shop there because my kids go to Corawall and the news agency at Hazelbrook closed down, so I go there to get school supplies. And also shout out to Dale Hunt from the Mounties Group and the Mounties Board. And of course, Bo- Bodie, Yeah, yeah we do, will do. Uh, share your details and your experience later as a psychotherapist, yeah. you're available to... As a local uh, therapist here in the Blue Mountains, that's correct. So yeah, we thank all our sponsors, and Mm. um, so glad that you're having a good time in the mountains and at the Carrington, Elaney and Penny. Yep, thank you, thank you. So, you've um, you've known Brad for a long time, and watched each other go through a lot of ups and downs. Would either of you who would like to go first and share some of those ups and downs with
2: us? Wow, Um, I've known Brad for probably twenty plus years. I worked with Brad in uh, real estate, and um, that sort of we, you know, we saw the highs and lows of um, economics to begin with. Um, we also saw within that culture how, um, th- you know, the sexual harassment from dominantly males within that real estate industry were there. Really? Um, See,
0: I I must be... Pardon my ignorance, but I didn't realise until I was preparing for our meeting that the real estate agents um, industry is actually quite macho
2: and a little bit sexist, is it? Absolutely. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And sort of... And and I'm going back 15 years. Look, you know, I hope that the industry has changed Mm. now, yet I still know, you know, so many local real estate agents. However... When we were there, you know, it it wasn't uncommon to walk out into the back sales room and, you know, the guys to be, you know, putting their hands up your skirt. It was common practice. Just part of the culture. It was just part of the culture, you know, and the rumour mills within the office of, you know, who was sleeping with who, for example. And it's just like, it just, yeah, you'd walk out the back Mm. and, you know, the guys would have they wouldn't have the real estate listing on the screen. It would be, you know, something that was more sexually orientated on the screen that we would have to then walk out and see and they'd all, you know, quickly try to shut their, you know, their screens down or really come on over, share this and And you must have have been quite young
0: then too. And, you know, once you see something, you can't unsee it. So Mm. I'm sorry that you were subjected to all that. Mm. I didn't realise that it was like that. Yeah, it was an incredible... You probably didn't realise when you went into that industry, you probably just... No. ..went for all sort of office jobs you were, could get... ..and you got that one and
2: probably you, went into it you do. eyes blinded. And I've left jobs because of sexual harassment. I've left them after one day... ..when you know, someone's rung back and the next day and go... Where are you? You should have been here by nine. And I'll go now that you know because you don't want to experience that again. Because I experienced it on the first day from a director's son who thought, "Well, my dad's the boss. Yeah, I can actually do this Mm -hmm. to Penny." And you didn't feel you could speak up and and tell them that's not appropriate. Well, you know, the father director wasn't there that day, but I just. You know, when they phoned me the next day to ask me where I was, I just said, I won't be back because your son sexually harassed me yesterday. I said, and that's not the culture of work that I, I, I would like to work in. Oh, so I won't you. be back. But you need to address your issues. Otherwise, your business will go down the drain.
0: Oh, well done for speaking out. Mm. It takes a lot of guts to stand mm. up to men in power. And, mm-hmm. you know, financially we all need a job. We've got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. So it's not easy to stand up for yourself mm. sometimes, is mm. it?
2: But now I certainly do. Yes. Um, if you'd asked me five years ago, uh, five and a half years ago... ...when um, I, I made the decision to take my life... <gasps> ...and um, uh, I was a totally different person. Just five years ago? Yes, five. It'll be six years in February. I'm um, so glad that you're here with us today. Yeah, I'm so look, glad and you've that you've got. I'm here. You're smiling and yeah, I'm. I'm, you look I'm healthy absolutely Yeah. So, and you know, so Brad and I have more in common than just real estate. Um, uh, you know, Brad and I have been in rehabs together. Um, you know, we've 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 had a long journey. We've had right. a long history. Right. Um, so. But now I'm a totally different person. I have the strength. I have the strength to stand up to anyone who mistreats me... ...or berates me or doesn't have a basic human decency towards me. Mm -hmm. So I look at the balance of scales. We were just talking about that before we came Mm. on air. And I have to have that balance. It's like a, 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 a set of scales in the court. If you can't treat me how I... Deserve to be treated, and how I would treat you as a as a human being, then I w- and it probably sounds a little bit harsh, but I won't let you in my bubble because I deserve better, you know. Mm-hmm. And as I said, my suicide was five and a half years ago, and I spent months in hospital. I had to learn how to rewalk, build my face. Um, it was just horrific, and it was horrific for my entire family. Um, my life completely changed after um, finding out that a family member had, um, you know, been extremely deceitful within my family group and that really tipped me over the edge. So... um, I'm sorry that you sound like you really hit rock bottom. Uh, Rock bottom is an understatement. You actually go into... Um, and Bodhi would probably agree w- mm. with me that you actually, once you make that decision to to end your life, you, you're actually blank within your head. And I can remember my partner saying to me, um, I don't understand why you wanted to leave me. And I said, I didn't want to leave you. I wanted to stop mm. the madness in my brain. Mm. I didn't want to leave my children and my granddaughter. I didn't want to do that. But your brain completely turns off. It's completely empty of any emotional, devoid of emotional. Right. I turned. I, you know, I would mm. made my choice where I went. I turned my phone off. And you
0: feel like that's the only option right now. It was. And yeah, I could you're see. You're not the thinking end. clearly about and everybody else. Uh, look, I was.
2: Yes. You know, I'd made my decision two days prior. And I had a very clear really? routine of what I was going to do on that day. Wow, uh, it was very structured, very planned. Can uh, I ask you what did you do? Certainly. So um, on that on that morning, um, we'd only just moved into our new house with my partner and I. Were you happy in that relationship with your partner? Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, he was having an operation. On we moved into the house on Friday. Mm-hmm. He was having an operation on the Monday morning, so I drew I drove him to the hospital. And we had an argument downstairs um, saying, you need to take the keys. And he was like, you know, no, they told me not to take anything personal. And we had this argument of throwing keys across mm. the bonnet of the car to the point he just went, oh, we'll yeah, bugger it, not in, in, uh, in other words, and took the keys. So I drove him to our local hospital. He got out of the car. He was quite... You know, it was a speechless drive, 20-minute drive to the hospital. He got out of the car and he was like, bye. I was like, goodbye. ...and I watched him walk off and I was like, goodbye, I'll never see you again. And I drove home, I saw somebody drive past me that I knew... ...and I was like, oh, there's such and Mm. such, goodbye. I won't see them again. I won't see them again. Um, Literally got back home, um, picked up as many pills that I had through my bipolar. I'd had um, quite a collection of, um, you know, tablets over the years... ...that That I just hadn't disposed of. Yeah, So you started stockpiling? yeah. So, um, unfortunately... So, I gathered them all up, went to a motel. Um, basically, the guy turned my phone off... ...because my partner um, uh, is a police officer. So, I knew that they'd do a triangulation on my phone. So, I was smarter <laughs> and... Um, You'd thought of everything. So, i thought of everything on that day. Despite being... Uh, you know, despite having such a... <sighs> yeah, befuddled you, you know, mind. You, you, yeah. I bet you, the
0: dishes were done and you, exactly. and the washing was done. <laughs> exactly.
2: And I'm out oh, of there I, to the point where I went home and chose a pretty dress mm. to to, to mm. die in. And I was like, yeah, that's got bling on it. I like bling. Mm. You know, I'm a blingy girl. Mm. So, you know, chose that. Um, you know, got to, got to the hotel, this really dingy hotel. And um, the guy, I said to the guy, oh, you know, I just need a room. He goes, oh, you know, it's not... It was just after ten... I'd been to the bank. and We drew some money. The bank manager knew me by name, gave me the money. I went into a supermarket. She asked me how I was. How's your day? I said, it can only get better from here. Mm. Um, drove to the motel, booked Dean. He said, you can't book until 2pm. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, my God, it's quarter past 10. I said, oh, that's a bit, oh, dear. He said, look, look. Give me 20 minutes, I'll get you a room. So, within 20 minutes, I had a room, set myself all up. You were Um, dying to die. I was dying to die. So, and I knew that, you know, my partner was under an anesthetic. It would be about six hours before the hospital would ring me um, to say, come and collect him. Um, And by that time, I would have been very, very dead. Um, Did you think
0: about how he would feel when he woke up and got the news? Or you just blanked that out of your mind? I blanked You just every, didn't go there? Everything
2: blanked yeah. out of my mind. What I didn't want to do was um, take my own life in our new home mm. of three days. I didn't want my partner to find me. Mm. So that's why I went to a motel. You were very considerate. Very considerate, but probably not considerate of the housemaid that I presumed mm. would have found my body. There were things that I did on that day in the hotel. I didn't realise that I walked out of the hotel room and sat in the bar for two hours and drank water. My partner told me that um, probably about a year ago, um, and then in the last two years, I've started to have a few flashbacks of that day. Oh. So to cut a long story short, I basically took, um, you know, approximately six hundred tablets, and drank some alcohol. I got in a shower, and um, which I didn't remember till uh, vague memories about a year ago, and. When I passed out, I fell over the hob of the shower and smashed my face into the toilet bowl. And then I laid there for 11 hours. So the nurses from the hospital were ringing, obviously, mm. to say, um, you know, your partner's ready to be picked up. And, um, you know, then my partner started ringing, you know, where are you, Pen? You know, I'm ready to be picked up. He soon realised that I wasn't answering and then he was concerned because of my behaviour that morning. He then rang a, another police officer um, to say, "Could you come and pick me? I'm not allowed to drive. I don't have a vehicle." And he was the other side of Sydney, so he he said to the hospital staff, "Oh, my mate's out the front, ready to go." He got got in a cab and came home. He then rang my children um, and my ex-husband and um, was, you know, trying to find out, you know, where I was. Um, then they all he, he he even tried to report me missing. And um, our local police station said, oh, she hasn't been gone long enough, which is, you know, it's just such a fallacy. And, you know, we talk about this. It doesn't matter if you've been missing, you know, an hour or 24 hours. It's just like, if you've got a real concern, then you should be listed as a, you know, Mm. as a missing person. Um, So, you know, they... by. ..a late afternoon, a nightfall, my kids were out looking for me... ..my partner, my ex-husband. My ex-husband then found my car um, as he was driving home. He was looking in hotel car parts. He found my car and then told my partner... ..and um, him and the other police officer um, found my car... ..and kicked the door in and then found me in the bathroom... Um, I I wasn't breathing, I didn't have a pulse, I was blue. They commenced CPR and um, the paramedics arrived and incubated me and I was put in... um, um, I went to Royal North Shore and um, I was in a coma for a week, on life support for a week, and um, they had no idea whether, you know, I would live or die. Um, I did ask my partner if they got to a point where they would... ...had asked him whether we should turn off the machines, of which they hadn't. Thankfully they didn't because I wouldn't be here today... Mm-hmm. ...sharing my story and other things that I want to talk about today. And um, about a week later um, they rang my partner and my, I'd wiggled my toes... ...and my eyes blinked and they said, look, really not sure what's happening a here. A week later. Um, and so they all rushed and I woke up... Um, I, ..you know, I woke up gagging because I was, you know, incubated. And, you know, that I could hear the nurses saying, you know, just cough... ..which is to, you know, get the tubes out of your throat. And I remember opening my eyes and, and I thought... ..oh bother. Mm. <laughs> In stronger words, I'm still here. Mm. And I, I looked to my partner, he was on my right-hand side... ..and he was just crying and my kids at the feet of my bed crying. And I was like who resuscitated me and um, my partner said I did and I I was so angry I was so angry you know still very heavily drugged um and then sort of dozed back off you know into just you know because they were so I spent you know a few more days in ICU um before you know I got out um and went to a ward and then I had a 24-hour guard on me the entire time that I was in Royal North Shore Hospital before I was transferred to East Wing in Manling, um, before I was then transferred to a private um, rehab of where um, my life changed.
0: Okay. Let's take a break. Uh, we're talking to Penny. It's part of the Men's Mental Health Show. But today we're talking to Penny about her heart-rending suicide story on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1
2: your rocks off with rockin'
0: This is Radio Blue Mountains and we're having a pretty heart to heart chat with Penny Holbrook talking about her suicide attempt and what she's done since then so Penny that that was a really hard story to hear and I'm sure it's hard to tell even though you say you've told it quite a few times Mm -hmm. I just was wondering before we move on when did you switch from feeling like oh damn I'm still here to okay I'm I'm starting to feel happy to be
2: alive again yep um after a week in ICU and then it was probably once I got transferred to the ward um and you know, my family and cousins all started appearing near my bed, and 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 some friends. We did keep it quite low key, um, just so that it wasn't. I didn't feel overwhelmed by people. Um, the thing, the th- one of the things is is that, unfortunately genetics is passed down you know so I do have bipolar of which my mum had bipolar sorry can when was when were you diagnosed
0: with bipolar how how long oh. before your suicide attempt
2: oh goodness I was about 23 okay so 30 years ago I'm 53 now okay and when I was 23 my mum completed her suicide when you were 23hmm so I lost my mum at 23 um, and is that true Bodie
0: that Bipolar can be hereditary.
1: Uh, yes, there is um, some um, uh, some some evidence that it is handed on. Um, whether there's um, genetic um, activity that actually switches it on, or, or um, you know there's there's a big story um, in that. But there, there is um, uh, um, genetics certainly do play a part. They they argue that. Um, it's not an automatic, mm-hmm. uh, but mm. if the right situations emerge, right. Uh, that uh, res- that gene can um, uh, 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 start to activate huh. um, and bring that bring that th- those mental health characteristics in- into play. Right. Uh, and I, I, was, I sort of wanted to sort of say that um, the you know the power and control issues of the dominant male um, and being subordinate and t- as a worker and then exposed to sexual harassment and that sort of stuff. You know, it does infantilise, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's such an assault on um, your own sort of inherent sense of self. And you could argue that that exposure to constant power of control by dominant males um, um, environmentally activated um, a gene uh, that had potential.
0: Oh, Um, really?
1: Yeah, yeah. How fascinating. So environmental factors um, can can, um, uh, cause a gene which is sitting in the background... Um, to, to actually um, fire such stuff wow start
0: I never up. knew this yeah I so knew so right so if you've had a suicide if your parents have felt su- Had suicidal ideology, then it's possible that their offspring might have more of a propensity yes, to suicide under certain circumstances. Absolutely, right. so it's
1: well known that if there's suicide in the family that's been successful, um, it becomes an idea uh, wow. that's, uh, that's a go-to, okay. that's an option. Right, and there's an eight times increased risk of actually uh, following the same path. Yes, I've heard um, that eight yeah, times. Yeah, that's absolutely. right. So, 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 so that, th- these are all. Sort of phenomenological facts that, that that do exist in the literature. They are realities, right? But it is such an interesting idea, isn't it, that um, that I- if uh, people had treated you well, you s- you said I wanted decency. Mm. Um, that that um, um, uh, bipolar may have been part of your excitability, but not necessarily um, something that that uh, started to distort your capacity to reason and to think and to live well in this world. Mm.
0: And also, you said that you'd been bitterly betrayed by somebody. Somebody let yep. you down, yep. and oh, that hugely. was the trigger
2: for no, feeling no. like yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, felt, I can't cope with this as anymore. As I've said it before, I felt I'd let my. I, I felt like I'd failed as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I'd failed as a grandmother. I felt like I'd failed as a wife. Right. I felt like I'd failed as an ex-wife. I felt like I'd failed to my partner, who, you know, yeah, uh, and possibly a new husband. So I just felt that there was absolutely nothing there. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. bewildering thing, when I looked back on it years later, I realised that my youngest daughter was 23 when I attempted my suicide and I was 23 Mm -hmm. when my mother completed her Mm -hmm. suicide. I, and it was years later, Brody, mm. that I, I I realized that and and shocked myself to yeah, think, right. oh my goodness! It really you know? stops you in your tracks. Doesn't it really. It, I just yeah. I really just went whoa, like the horse stopping. It's just like that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean
0: because my mum suicided when I was ten, and when I got to thirty one, to her age, I thought, wow, she was just a girl like me. She. It, yeah. It's such a permanent. Solution to a temporary Temporary problem. problem. Suicide. I thought, wow, she's missed out on on everything that I'm looking forward to, and that I've experienced from that age to the age that I am now. Yeah, she's she missed out on all that because she thought that that was her go-to. She had bipolar too. I think undiagnosed. The the
2: temporary. Where we when we say a temporary solution, when you're in that state, you you don't see it like that. Unfortunately.
0: Sorry, did I say it's a permanent solution solution. to a temporary Temporary problem? problem. Mm -hmm. Sorry.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep. You, you don't see that?
0: No. Yes. You you don't see the light in the end of the tunnel. The,
2: you know, your shutters around your eyes right. and, and over your ears are there. So you're not listening to anyone. Right. I said it a week beforehand to a group of people. I googled how to suicide. Mm,
0: wow. <laughs> yep. How... <laughs> you just got that idea in and once you had yep. it in your mind, that seed yep. planted, you couldn't yep. let it go. No. It
2: was just, that's the path mm. I'm headed down yeah. now. Yeah, and I laid in the bath on the yep. Saturday night and we were just, you know, we are trying to unpack. Mm. I unpacked one box mm. all day. Right. And, you know, and I could see that my partner was getting upset that yeah. I... And, and he was just like, just just do this box, yeah, yeah. and I couldn't even I couldn't even unpack a cup.
0: Part of you wasn't interested because no. you were thinking
2: I won't need all this. No, exactly, I didn't need it. I'm that. going away, and it's really quite funny because I had a brand new kitchen put in last week, and I had to unpack the kitchen and repack it, and I did it all in about yeah. three hours. Yeah. And I went hallelujah, girl, yeah. how cool! You are found you? your zest for life. Do you know what? What power you've got now that. Mm you know, five and a half years ago, I couldn't even unwrap a cup mm. and I've, un- you know, I've packed up the kitchen and repacked it and I've got this beautiful kitchen and I'm just so glad I mm. can... I. Like at home, it's just like I do all these, you know, project managing renovations, and I control all those things, and I have this, you know, this go girl power that says I can reach out to people and and manage them and speak to them in a way and get projects done, and I just love that, Mm. you know. So my zest for life is definitely there. Yeah, but it's you know not to say that in the last five years I haven't collapsed again Mm. and been back into rehab because I have right but the last time I went in, I smashed my head open mm. and I walked out of that place, I said, that's it, girl. Never again. Never again. That's the
0: last time. This
2: is yep. the last time you either choose to continue this way of life of going in and out of rehabs or you you get yourself together. Mm. And I made a conscious decision to get myself mm. together and today... But it's not easy to shuck
0: off those feelings of oh, shame no. that you were feeling when you felt felt, felt like, you know, someone had betrayed you, and so then you felt like you'd let everyone else down because that
2: mm-hmm.
0: happened within your sphere of influence, mm-hmm. mate, I'm presuming. And so uh, how have you shucked off those feelings since then and, and not let th- you're determined to not let them get you down that mm-hmm. low again? Mm.
2: I, I put them in what I call file 13. Great. You're compartmentalised. You've yeah. dealt with them. Yeah, it's yep. this little box up here, so yep. I have dealt with them. Great. Um, you know, I've done a lot of therapy mm-hmm. in between... Um, I practice a lot of mindfulness mm-hmm. and meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I give as much as my of my own time mm-hmm. to any community that asks me to speak. Um, what I'm proud of in that time is, and I will never ever charge for my services. It's one thing that I believe that I give back to the community. Mm. If someone can hear my story and it saves one life, then I've then I've completed my job mm. and I'm happy about that.
0: You should be so proud of how so. far you've come.
2: Oh, I mm. am proud. And yep. sometimes I actually po- I don't post a lot, but sometimes I post every year my anniversary, mm-hmm. and I'll put up the number that I am, mm-hmm. and I'll say I'm five years older than I mm. that I am. I yes. should have ever ever yes. been. So happy birth to me! Yes. Happy birthday to yes. me! And how wonderful I am! Yes. And um, you know, everyone in the community sees that. And um, you know, and I'm like, it's so great because so many people come to me. And I'm not here to give advice. I'm here to listen to their story Mm. and purely just to listen because sometimes that's all someone needs. Yes. Um, I'll never give advice because what worked for me may not work Mm. for you. Right. But just sharing and listening can possibly save a life. Definitely. On what they're saying is whether we action something Mm. depending upon the words that they actually Mm. say. If someone said to me, I'm going to kill myself, Mm. I would action... At that point mm. in time, totally different from someone saying, "Just feeling a bit down mm. at the moment, Pen, I'm yes. struggling at work." You know, yes. there's there's two different there's just two different mm. there's two different ways to handle it. Mm. One is basically called triple O, mm. and the other one is just sitting and listening. Yes, you know. So, yep. but you know, based on you know the mental health part of things, the other thing that I wanted to raise today was um, uh, a new um, initiative which mm-hmm. is called. Um, the PACER group. Which yes, that's the Mobile Emergency
0: Mental Health Response Program. Yes. Because so. you've had obviously had a lot of support, family and friends and community programs that have helped you along mm-hmm, the way. Mm-hmm. And this is one that's
2: especially close to your heart. It is, um, obviously because you know um, my partner is a police officer. Um, so the PACER stands for Police, Ambulance and Clinical Early Response Program. And that's in collaboration with St Vincent's Hospital Mental Health Service. Right, and what do they do? So, basically what they do, um, they're actually only in five areas at the moment, which is Surrey Hills, King's Cross, Mm -hmm. Sydney City, Police Area Command and St George. And then they will go nationally Mm -hmm. um, after the pilot program. It's been running for approximately eight, uh, sorry, six months roughly. So, a clinical psychologist um, and a clinical nurse are assigned to a local area command. So, when a mental health call comes in, depending upon the level of the conversation from the triple O call, is whether uh, a car is dispatched on its own or whether a car and a pacer car are dispatched at the same time.
0: And are these volunteers that are, or are they um, paid
2: professionals they're that paid are on profe- standby? They're paid professionals, right, yeah. Right, okay. And they're, as I say, they're assigned to a... ..a particular police station. Right. So they belong to that command. Yep. At present, the service is run from an afternoon shift through to midnight... ..which is generally uh, the time where people will attempt to take their lives... Right but uh, they are actually hoping to increase it to a 24-hour, mm-hmm. uh, seven days a week. It does run seven days a week, it's just not 24 hours mm. at the moment. So so what happens if somebody puts in a distress call through Lifeline or mm-hmm. something and it, the police
0: are alerted, mm-hmm. then they'll make the decision... As to whether they can take a psychologist with them to go and
2: correct help, yep. so right. they will go in a separate car. They have a, a separate vehicle for the pacer um, team, and they would then, you know, go out, you know, and with intervene, yeah, and yes. intervene um, at that stage. You know, they it's basically doing a triage on the spot, mm. so they can actually ascertain, um, you know, what needs to happen next, whether they feel that you know the you know. That it's not a patient at this stage, but the person of interest can possibly do something in the community. Whether they're high risk, whether they need to be transferred immediately, um, a decision is then made whether they needed to be, like, say, a section twenty two is issued by a police officer, which is you know is a, a mental health schedule, so that goes straight to you know a transfer to a hospital. They have no say in that or um, an ambulance officer can issue a section 20 mm-hmm. which they make the decision to take them to um, you know a, a secure environment within a hospital mm-hmm. and from there they work out uh, what actually happens right so how they that help That sounds them.
0: fantastic. I'm so glad that there's support services like these. It's to finally help people happening. in need. Yes.
2: We're finally starting to move forward in mental That's health. Um yeah. instead of I mean the police force are a fantastic force and I, I hoped that their mental health training increases because mm-hmm. it certainly does need to mm-hmm. be increased. I've been in situations where I've had people in front of me and unfortunately I've had very young um, police officers and basically they've just been sort of looking at their watch, rolling their eyes when I've been trying to, um, you know... Mm wait for a paramedic to arrive, they yes. sort of like, oh, how long is this going to take? Right. So not just the police force need um, further education in mental health, the nation yes. needs, you know, further education in it. So, Fantastic. And we are finally starting yep. to see that. Um, we're seeing it on the northern beaches, um, which, um, you know, we're, we're involved in, both Eleni and myself. And, um, yeah, people suicide even in paradise. Ah, uh, it- don't they? That they do. They do. That they do. Sad but
0: true. Mm. Where can people find out more information about this Pacer program, Penny?
2: Um, I will probably have to just send you some links. So okay. um, I will mention that we um, can put them you, on our Facebook. You can page. actually, yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. So it is available on the internet. If yes. you look up Pacer, P-A-C-E-R, um, and St Vincent's Hospital, you will find um, mm-hmm. some information there. But something's can... coming
0: up under New South Wales Health. Okay. Yep. as well so they must be big supports. Mm-hmm. Um, groundbreaking first responder and mental health program sounds like they're doing really good work informed by real time acting as a secondary right. police response. Yep, um, It's really great to see mm. that I'm, I'm sure there has been a decline in incidents and
2: so that's where um, what they'll do with this with, this, with the, with the part as I said it's still a like a pilot program mm. in that sense that at six months and then again at 12 months, they will actually look at the figures of how many have presented, say, at St Vincent's Hospital's ED mental health units, um, how many came in through the calls of Triple O, how many presented themselves, um, how many came in through ambulance. Um, So if we're starting to see a reduction in admissions, then we know that this pace is actually working. Great. So therefore they will they'll put it nationally, mm-hmm. which is what is exactly what we yes. want to see.
0: And you met our other guest Eleni through community mental health
2: programs too? I did. So I was actually doing a, um, a community services um, TAFE course mm-hmm. and um, Eleni um, was there as a guest speaker. and um, she you know she was obviously talking about mental health and uh, an event that she was hosting. Um, ..that she hosts every year called Behind the Smile. And um, our our lovely host, Brad Spillane, was going to be a key speaker... ..a guest right. speaker at Eleni's show. And I I was like, oh, my goodness me. Um, I was like, Eleni, I know Brad. I've known Brad for 20, 25 years. So we, uh, you know, at the end of... ..you know, at, at the end of class, we sort of uh, pulled... ..you know, came aside and we, um, you know, introduced ourselves... Um, ..and, you know, had a chat... ..and um, told her a bit about my story and um, we've... um, ..from that moment on, um, Eleni and I were... ..you'd think we'd been best friends for 50 years. Like, we're just like glue that just stick together. That's nice. We bounce off each other. um, When we're, you know, we all have our bad days Mm. and our good days... ..and we literally only have to just ring and go... I need to talk. <laughs> yes. It sounds, yeah, just yeah.
0: hearing a little bit of your story earlier, Eleni, it sounds like you've been through some hard times too.
3: Yeah, t- you never think that you're going to go through hard times. You know, you just go through no, every day. No, it's not part of our
0: life plan, is it?
3: No, and you don't know that you're struggling because whatever you've experienced, I call it, I saw as my normal. Oh, so right. I didn't know that I was struggling uh-huh. until... What was
0: your normal? Could you
3: tell us what that looked like? Uh, It's a big story. (laughs) Um, So I was married for 21 years and it was probably the last eight years of my marriage that I realised that I was crying a lot more than usual. Right. That was the first indicator that I was struggling but I didn't see the factors that led me to that point ...as being issues that I was struggling with... ...because they were my normal, everyday life. Um, And I didn't know that I was was struggling with depression. I knew that my emotions and my thoughts had changed. But I didn't want to show the world those struggles. Because in my mind, like Penny said before... ...I always had the thought that I have to be the perfect wife... ...the perfect mother... Um, I was a teacher, you know, be the perfect teacher. Everything had to, from my thinking from a young, from a teenager was that unless you perform, you are not loved. So I was, and again, I didn't know that thought pattern from my teenage years carried on for decades, but it directed the way I thought and behaved. Right. So So you um, had very high expectations for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had this false belief that unless I was a good enough daughter, Mm -hmm. I would not be loved. Right. Um, In my late teens, I suffered from anorexia. And it was nothing to do with body image at all. It was this idea of unless I perform... I won't be loved. I don't know if you've seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. (laughs) Well, a lot of that is how I felt. And in sharing my story, I want to um, reiterate that I'm not laying a blame on anybody else, but it's the way I interpreted what was going on around me. I have brothers and sisters brought up in the same family. As part of that Greek culture. Yeah. Right. That Mm -hmm. did not respond or react the way I did it was a whole combination mm. of the way I interpreted things mm. my personality yes um so I'm, I'm not laying blame on anyone mm. I love my parents I love the culture I was brought up in um but at in those moments as a growing teenager and my brain development and my personality is is how I interpret it and re- mm. reacted mm. rather than learning how to respond Mm. so um dad's classic line every time i asked to do something was subjects closed don't want to talk about it Mm. so i never learned to talk about how i was feeling i was frightened to express how i was feeling and that grew i grew with that into my adulthood and into my marriage it's really
0: timely that you mentioned that because we went on a big overnight hike with friends and my family on the weekend from mount victoria to pierce's pass on the mm. Bell's Line of Road. It was tough. And uh, anyway, my husband was really struggling yesterday, Sunday, because it was so hot. Mm. And we had to walk up those walls. I was like 12 kilometers and it was really hard going. Anyway, he was hours behind everyone else and I had to send some paramedics down to go and check that he was okay. No. And um, anyway, he was telling me th- th- about things they talked about later and, um, one of the guys, he's got older children, and as they walked and talked slowly, uh, he said, with your daughter, don't be afraid to argue with her. It's, it, I know you want to have a peaceful haven at home, but girls need, girls need to know that they can speak up mm. and learn to articulate their feelings and learn to be heard and, and need to be listened to. Mm. And they need to practice that with you, with their dad yeah. and in the, in the family at home. So don't mm. shut her down. Because our, our little girls only 12 yeah and and it was just such good timely advice to you know we're not we don't always need to keep the peace and the status quo because that's how a lot of women find themselves yeah. in these unhealthy toxic relationships mm. and they're not they don't feel free to be able to speak their mind or don't know how to articulate their feelings no so th- just what you said then reminded me of yeah. Yeah, this so, chat that my husband had with one of the guys who went to rescue him
3: on this bushwalk and I think in those early years, if you don't learn how to express your feelings, mm. you just don't. You keep bottling them yes. up and then trying to find ways yourself to mm. cope with how you're feeling. And if you're not taught healthy ways to cope, then you develop unhealthy ways. Yes. And Did that happen to you? Yeah, definitely. So school was the only place I saw my friends. So right. I was not never allowed out right. anywhere outside of family functions. Yes. So when I finished school... Um I got a bit sad and mm-hmm. not knowing that this was undiagnosed depression right. at that point. And as we know, one of the indicators of a mental health problem developing is change in sleeping patterns, change in eating patterns, you know, the way you look after your appearance in yourself. And I just was eating a little bit less because I was sad. I did not int- I did not diet. I did not weigh myself. Mm. It was I was a little bit sad. Mm. And when my parents noticed I wasn't eating as much, they said, oh, what's wrong? Are you okay? And yes, especially I, in a Greek household with yes, yes, this beautiful, amazing right. food. Eat, 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 eat. And I loved my Greek <laughs> food. Yes. I was no ever, ever a yeah. problem with food. But when they said, are you all right? I just went, oh, you're listening to me mm. now. And I thought, in my thought patterns, if I start eating normally, are you not going to listen to me? And because I feel that you're listening to me, do you now love me? Yes. So I became frightened of eating because I thought if I start eating normally, they're not going to be talking to me like Ah, they are now. Okay. And then it developed into... it, And the idea of eating disorders as purely body image, yes, for some people... I understand it, particularly now with social media. Mm. But I had no social media Mm. when I was a teenager. So it was never about anything to do with what I want to look like. But the fear of eating was the greater fear Mm. that I will lose my parents' love... ...as I interpreted it at that point. And then it grew into the full-blown... You know, I used to do all the housework at home... ...because I thought if I am good enough Mm. and performing enough they will love me. Mm. That transferred to eating disorder behaviour. Mm -hmm. So I have to exercise more to feel worthy. I have to restrict my eating to feel worthy. And these silly self-imposed rules that you start to live by. And I often say um, when I talk about this, it's like that line in Shawshank Redemption, I love that movie. Yeah, I did too. My favourite
2: movie too. Yeah. I love it.
3: With any addictive behaviour, whether it's substance addiction... Mm. ...or um, I call I fi- found that this was addictive behaviour... right? Um, ...because it was something that I was using... ...that I believed was controlling unhealthy emotions... ...but then it ends up controlling you. Mm. So that line in the movie where when Brooks is released after 50 years of incarceration and morgan freeman who is red Mm. says these walls are funny at first you hate them and then you um get used to them Mm. and then you can't live without them Mm. and i didn't want to live waking up every single day worrying about what have i eaten what am i going to do to burn it off feeling guilt and shame and the stress of can I get my X amount of exercise in to burn X amount of calories? I did not want to live like that. Right. It totally changed my personality. There were more cries for help, weren't yeah. they, these and every um... time someone said anything to do with food or exercise, I clammed up. I was like, don't take this away from me because I don't know how to live without it even though I don't want to live with it. Mm. And it's such a mental battle to live like that every single mm. day. Because I was frightened of not being a good enough daughter mm. and not being loved enough and it was nothing to do with what I looked like. No. So I'm, I'm hoping that the message around eating disorders changes because if they're purely talked about as body image issues, who is wanting to go and seek help when that is the perception that's out there? Yes, It sounds so vain. Oh, we're living in a very vain world. So much more complicated. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Eleni actually, we've we've. um, I was just thinking about the eating disorder, you know, Mm. videos that we've done that Mm. Eleni uses as part of um, her training when she's teaching it. Mm. So I also had an eating disorder as Mm. well, and um, I was a self-harmer. Mm. Um, ..in my, you know, sort of early 30s. So that's why I ended up getting tattoos on my arms. So I stopped cutting my arms. I thought... ..for me being a cutter, it was like I was taking away the pain... ..that Mm. I was feeling in my head... So then I eventually got the tattoos to... So I would stop because I think, oh, that damn tattoo hurt to get. So I'm not going to mess it up by slicing my arms anymore. Right. But we have done several um, eating disorder... Yeah. Um, videos. Videos, which, um, you know, as I said, yeah. Eleni uses as part um, of Brace and Growth... ...and in her teachings. Um, and, mm. and And a lot of that we talked about not just eating disorders but... The emotions emotions behind it, it, that nothing nothing to do with why
3: you engage in those behaviours or anything to do with, you know, body image. Mm -hmm. Mm. But for other emotions that you don't know how to deal with and people with eating disorders often have other Mm. mental health problems. Mm. So it's not just an isolated thing. Mm. So I physically recovered after three years.
0: And what were the men in your life doing at at this time and how have they helped or hindered you along your journey to now? Good question. Since Mm. this is a men's mental health
3: show. Um, What would you have liked them to have done better? At that point, I didn't have a lot of men in my life other than my brothers and my dad. Right. I didn't have a... I did have one boyfriend um, while I was unwell with anorexia. And when I made, I was about to be admitted to hospital and I, I would, that frightened me. And I, I said, I can't go out with you anymore. I have to get myself right. Mm-hmm. And I remember he made a comment and said, I don't want you to get better because I can control you this way. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah. Wow. And a big part of the eating disorder for me was control. Mm. Of what I thought I could control that no one else could control for me, mm-hmm. so that was I. I just went nut. Nah. and um, st- you know made a conscious effort to, to try and beat this thing.
1: That, that's such a powerful insight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that uh, um, that at some level, um, us men have to wrestle with. Um, our difficulty about uh, um, enjoying our women's aliveness. Mm. Um, that actually our superiority or illusion of superiority is based on the suffering sort of woman in our life that we've got to look after. Yep. Um, and that was actually um, killing off your creativity and your own um, um, powerful immersion in, in living. So it's a powerful insight. Yeah. And I, think I sort of want to challenge men to actually think about... Um, How much control do they really, um, you know, do they play with or exert in real times, or have some idea of that? My job is to look after the little lady because she really can't look after herself. Those uh, uh, Mm. sedimented beliefs that sort of exist because we've grown up in um, parents' um, stories from the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, with where that model was sort of prevalent. Um, you know, they still linger on, those little germs, those little memes, those little sort of uh, Mm. uh, conflictual thoughts. So um, I I love what you just said. Very powerful insight.
0: Bodhi, while you've got the microphones, hold that thought, Eleni, please. Um, Why is it that that these two, Penny Holbrook and Eleni today, and I I don't know if we just have the gift of the gab, but why is it that women are so good at um, talking about these really hard topics and expressing their emotions and articulating their feelings and, and our journey a little bit easier than some men do. Some men find it really hard to express their emotions and their deep feelings, don't they?
1: Well, that, well, that too. I mean, that, that's um, this, this is such a conundrum, isn't it? Because um, I think all of us are struggling uh, with um, how do we say what we're really looking for. Um, you know, when Eleni was talking about Actually, it wasn't about body image. Mm. Actually, what I was really hungry for was love, Mm. uh, acknowledgement, um, validation, um, see me. um, And, um, you know, I love that reminder, again, of um, all of us are hungry for uh, being held, um, Mm -hmm. um, uh, being loved, uh, being uh, treated respectfully, um, uh, um, and and being enjoyed. uh, um, So I think that's a universal... Yes, um, and 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 we and we're missing the mark powerfully uh, often in our conversations between men and women, uh, and um, and well, I, I see it in my practice all the time that that these struggles show up. We can't even explore conflict in a way that is actually an exploration. It's always a struggle, an arm wrestle. Um, you did this and you did that. It's a it's a game of unrelenting table tennis mm. rather than. Going, oh gee, I really want to know how you got there, um, and um, and it, it becoming an exploration. Not to say you're doing it wrong, um, but to get closer. The whole point is about how can we get closer. Yes. Yeah, it's about intimacy, the dance of intimacy. Mm. So I think, yeah, what's what's illuminating for me is that both men and women are also at times struggle with. Being able to say what's truthfully there, right, um, without being held accountable. I feel yes. sad right now. But well, you shouldn't be sad.
0: Yeah, because um, often in I the heat of the emotions? moment, yeah. we're busy defending ourselves. Yeah. Mm. I actually
2: yes. love. I don't love it. I actually despise it. Is that when you you know you say something, and the other person completely twists it twist it completely around. They don't hear your message. And they, they don't gaslighting. Hear your message yeah. and they... Yeah. Well, the validation's not there, but then they twist it to make you sound like the victim, which is basically gaslighting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's just another whole topic. Yeah,
0: Look, if uh, let me just say, this is Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 and if anyone is listening that can relate to any of the many topics that we've covered already today, uh, you're free to text on 04... O four O Double Seven Triple Six. We'd love to hear from our listeners. O four O four O Double Seven Triple Six. If you have any questions for Bodie, our psychotherapist, or Penny Holbrook about the PACER programme or suicide, or a Lenny, we've already covered body image. And uh, Lenny, there's something I'm
3: dying to ask you about too. I have another just before you ask that question so you hold that one okay well you asked about (laughs) the men in my life and this was not any any men I know but Mm. something I know that influenced um as I was struggling Mm. in the very complicated mix of anorexia when I would walk along the main road with a girlfriend um the the wolf whistles that you would get Mm -hmm even when you walk past construction site, that fed into the unhealthy thoughts of, um, I know that my behaviour is now affecting the way I look. So these um, occurrences reinforced the unhealthy thoughts of I am valued for the way that I look and the way that I perform. And Mm. unconsciously I know that impacted and impacted um, the rest of my life and into my marriage where I was feeling that I am only loved for the amount of housework that I do and for sex. I don't know if I'm valued for who I am. Yes. And that's sort of the start of the rest of my story. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think um, men
3: on construction sites now, I
0: think they're aware of, Mm of... you know that it, how it makes us feel.
2: Yeah, that's because and there's the, women on construction yeah, sites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. It's probably Yeah, and there's a word changed. for it:
0: objectification. <laughs> you know, we're not yeah. we're not just yeah. something. We're not just items of decoration. So mm. we do have a brain and lots yeah. of other things exactly. to offer yeah. besides, yes, body image or mm. skills mm. in the kitchen or whatever it might be.
2: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> take that 1950s apron off. Yes, right.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, put on your hard hat. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: Um, So, Eleni,
3: how did you you end up in prison? Okay, so those unhealthy thought patterns and false beliefs that I had from my teenage years, not realising that I was still living with those, even though the anorexia had gone and I'd physically recovered, I didn't have psychological help in my 20s for that illness... So, those thought patterns were still there. You're unworthy un- and you're not valued unless yes. you perform. Yes. Unless you do this, this and this. Your, your worth is based on, yep. you know, all these Which other... Which
0: means you didn't have very high standards when you partnered up with somebody. No. And because I, anybody that would love you will yep. do. And I had low self-worth.
3: Yes. And... Um, as I said, I was married for 21 years and in the last eight years of that marriage, um, all the unhealthy thoughts returned because of a lot of control that I was experiencing right. from my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And he's a great dad, mm. great family man mm-hmm. and, you know, I loved him. Um, but as soon as the children were old enough for me to be, in, to be independent of me and I went back to work is when I noticed mm. um, the controlling behaviours come out. Can I ask, uh, was he Greek? No.
0: Oh. I only ask that. I'm I'm not trying to stereotype, but sometimes, because my husband's Maltese Italian, Mm. and we've been through issues like that too. I've been married since I was 18, so nearly 30 years next year. And what they, sometimes Mediterranean men Mm. uh, interpret as looking after you can sometimes blur into controlling or possessive behaviour that we've had to work through. Uh, That's the
3: only reason I asked, but... And anyway. again, I don't want to lay blame on anyone no. here but this was just my story yep. and again, I didn't know how to articulate yes. what I was feeling because yes. I didn't... you'd been shut I down. N- I'd never learnt. Yes. So I would clam up and not know how to express what I was, how I was feeling. So I'd never had a girls' night out in the 21 years I was married. Mm. I started going back to work and loved my job mm. and... We'd come back and talk about, yes. you know, how excited I was about something that happened yeah. and it was, you know, don't want to hear about what you're doing at work. Mm. Stop stop talking to mm. me about that. Just everything that I felt m- was me.
0: Yeah, because you're refinding your own identity yeah. again and getting little
3: feelings of independence. And, yeah. and, and you shut- have a little bit more power now you're earning your own money. Yeah. Right. Um, it was just shut down. I loved singing and it was like I was... ...slammed for for doing the things that I love right. doing. But instead of speaking up or knowing how to speak up... ...I just started thinking you're a bad wife yes. and you're mm. a bad mother. Right. Because the man who is your husband mm. does not like the things mm. that you're doing. Mm. And so I just started shutting down and not realising that I was depressed... Oh. ...and was diagnosed with severe clinical depression. Um... And then I ended up... What was his st- response to that? Um, it's your problem. Right. It's your problem. Oh. and And when I was placed on medication and tried... my The first thing my psychologist tried to get me to do was to talk to him about what I was feeling. And I was so scared, always scared of the other person's reaction. Right. So she actually wrote out for me a paragraph word for word this is what you are to say uh-huh. and I practiced and practiced and practiced and then one night I said okay this is it so I knew word for word what I was to say and I built myself up and I blur- I said it and the response was oh just up your medication it'll all get better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I thought oh it took so much effort to be not frightened to speak up and that was the response. So I just went further downhill, yes. and we separated. Um, and it, we had two sessions with a, a psychologist together, a marriage counselor together, nine months after we separated. Mm-hmm. And in that last eight years, I felt, I'm. He doesn't love who I am. He loves me because of the housework, work, and sex. Mm. And this is where. I didn't know, am I just imagining this or is it real? Mm. And in one set, the second session, he was asked t- two questions with me sitting there. And the first one was, what do you understand of your wife? And he said, I don't know. I only know when she's around the house runs smoothly. <laughs> and I went, oh, that was a blow after 21 years. Yes. Second question, what do you miss of your wife? I miss seeing her naked. Mm. And that was when I just went right downhill and yeah. eight weeks later, later I offended. <gasps> right. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry you went through all that. Yeah, you, it was just... I can
0: imagine how you must have felt so demeaned and small and worthless sitting there hearing that. Mm. And then that led you to make some poor decisions yeah, soon after. Yeah, just made a series you of
3: poor decisions, again, trying to... Uh, create some value in myself yes wrong very wrong way of thinking but i I was totally worthless right. I felt I was totally worthless oh. so the poor decisions were based around that um, and I was arrested four and a half years later okay um, was that
0: a really stressful four and a half years when oh, yeah, was going to trial yeah.
3: and there was co- court
0: you know hearings and things
3: In that four and a half years, I never told a soul. Ah. Um, So that's when I had very strong suicidal ideation because the amount of shame and Oh, the pressure of that burden. Yeah, I felt. um, So it was really hard. Mm. But it was the thought of my children that Mm -hmm. stopped me from taking my life. Mm -hmm. So when I was arrested, it was, oh, my gosh. I've always portrayed that I am this or have to be this perfect person and now I'm arrested Mm. and I don't know how I'm going to cope with facing this Mm. because I've always felt that I've been the perfect wife, the Mm. perfect mother, how am I going to get through this? Mm. But in one way it was a relief because I thought I have to face this Mm. and it's not hidden anymore. It was that hiddenness that... Uh, was increasing the guilt and the shame and the suicidal ideation. To me that shows you've got a real inner
0: strength of character because you were like, "Okay, this shit got real and now I need to face this and work out a way forward.
3: I didn't know how I was going to do it because I hadn't discussed what happened with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I was... um, My lawyer said, I recommend you see a forensic psychologist... And that was the best thing that ever happened. What's a forensic psychologist? So they are specially trained to um, treat people that are going through the court systems and okay. for various offences and and crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, to Again, un- to dig through the underlying reasons for the offence. Right. But mm-hmm. well, that's good and that they provide that service. That's... I think one of my biggest um, messages I want to get through to the community since being labelled with a criminal record mm. that this person is a criminal, I, will, I refuse to be defined by my experiences, is that um, people only see... The, ...the offence, you have a criminal record. Mm. They don't look at the trauma before... Yes. ...or the thought patterns before. Or the potential in the future. Or, yeah, or the potential yep. in the future. They just say, wow, that person's got a record. Yes. Um, So, for people to see the human behind the offence, as how my psychologist, my forensic psychologist terms it, is what I hope the community starts opening up there is for many people and 77% of women incarcerated... Have had a history of mental health problems. Twenty-five percent have acquired brain injury. Yeah. Over seventy percent have had an abusive relationship. Over seventy mm-hmm. percent have experienced domestic violence, mm-hmm. and end up um, with a criminal record. And people don't see that trauma before. Right. So, um, my psychologist, I had a light bulb moment with her when we talked about. Um, my teenage history of mental health problems, including the eating disorder, and she said, "What were your thoughts like then?" I said, "My thoughts were, if I don't do this, I won't be valued." She said, "What were your thoughts the moment before offending?" And I went, "If I don't do this, I won't be valued." And it was like, oh my good! It was a light bulb moment. It was I never planned to end up in prison. <laughs> You don't plan these things. You don't plan to have anorexia or any other mental health problem. You don't plan it. But when someone helps you unpackage the way you think, I was like, I have thought that of myself my whole life. And it was that was the first light bulb moment mm. and I went, why did I not get help early on and not live for decades with this thought pattern of myself? What stops people,
0: Bodhi, from um, recognising these symptoms earlier?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's one of the ex- existential questions. Um, you know, w- why are we fascinated by space exploration um, and um, spend enormous amounts of money on um, on science and, and the latest gadgets and all that sort of stuff and manufacturing? For um, why don't we actually spend more money in developing expressiveness and? and and the literacy about our psychology, mm. um, and um, and really, uh, at, you, you know, make that the dominant sort of kind of um, ju- um, aspect of the human journey mm. um, that we that we understand ourselves. We understand experiences, yeah. We learn to communicate. We place high value on relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and we
0: take such we invest so heavily in our physical. Appearance, or you know, and keeping mm. healthy and well-being, yep. and yep. yet we don't look we don't look at our health as being holistic, as mm. as you know some some people, not all. Um, I mean, now yoga in the last 30 or 40 years, yoga and Pilates and mindfulness, it's all coming to the fore as very important. Ways of looking after our mental health and our overall well-being, but self-care, yeah, traditionally, to, to yeah, things. we need don't more, don't we? So that we can pick up those symptoms earlier and go, yeah. "Hey, I think I'm feeling like I'm under the thumb, or I'm feeling depressed, and I need to get onto this before it spirals out of control and leads me down a path to unhappiness."
1: But I'm listening to Eleni's journey. What she, what you're telling us beautifully, mm. um, is um, the cumulative effects of um um caught in that sort of thing of perfection Mm -hmm. this way i'll buy love um as a transaction um uh, uh, how that um so so in the end you um um, the reality of love was through uh, external validation Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um that you couldn't love yourself um or, or sit in, in the idea of self-recovery or self-worth, that shame heavily influenced um, your whole existence yep. and um, and that it, it, it takes a um, an event to shock one into a realization that my whole life is actually uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is run adrift. And your light bulb moments um, often come out of the tension of who am I? Yeah, um, and then we have to have us uh, start to be able to sort of articulate a different idea of ourselves, or we reclaim our original genius, um, which is to say, here I am.
3: That, uh, that's what that my th- psychologist broke our sessions up into. She identify I had to identify with her real me, mm. and crushed me, okay. and we sort of worked right. out yeah, yeah, yeah that we I had started I had to write a list what would what is real me like Mm -hmm. and then the list of crushed me was like three times as long and I probably pinpointed that it was from about the age 13 that crushed me behaviors were my dominant behaviors Mm. you'd almost lost lost touch with real yeah if the list was so short yeah yeah that's so sad. we b- we had to work on getting real me back. Yes. So after um, I had to meet my barrister um, and at that first meeting I had to enter a plea I, and I've met with my psychologist, I was meeting with her weekly and I said, I'm frightened because I had never told anyone the truth. I said, I have to meet my barrister and enter a plea. She said, what would real you do? Mm. I said, tell the truth. Mm. And I still argued in my head going up the elevator in, you know, the city. I'm going, but I don't know if they've got any evidence. I don't know, you know, how much they're going to prove. I could still put on the facade because I'm supposed to be perfect. And Mm. I um, got to the lift and I thought because I have a faith and I thought, who am I kidding? Mm. I'm going to present a plea before a a man in a courtroom, but God already knows the truth Mm. I have to t- be honest, and yes. real me says I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I disclosed. I en- entered a plea of guilty, and as hard as it was to do that, because of the mentality of you have to portray a sense of oh yeah perfection, I it was such a release, mm. and um, came back to my psych, and she said I said okay now I know I have to tell my family, my children. Mm. My parents," she said. "How are you going to do that?" I said. So I picked the people I thought were safest to tell. Mm-hmm. So I first told my brothers, and they were the fir- their response was, "You're our sister. We know the state you are in. We love you." Were they shocked? I bet you'd no. hardly had a speeding fine before. You no, did this never wrong, never, thing. never. <laughs> um, but their response was healing. That's good. Mm. So that gave me strength to then tell my children. That's because you showed
0: your vulnerability. Yeah. You put your, you went out on that limb which takes such guts. Oh, and so said scary. I've done the wrong
3: thing. I've done a really bad thing. Yeah. Very scary to admit that you've done something wrong. I can imagine. How many people live their lives holding that and the guilt that builds up? So, but the response from others is what is healing? Mm -hmm. So if you are going to continually slam people when they disclose something like this, we're not helping each other. Mm. So then telling my children and their response was, mum, you're our mother and we still love you. Mm -hmm. More more tears and more healing. And then the f- biggest fear was telling my parents. Mm. And I can feel the, feel the te- tears welling up now because mm. that moment was so powerful mm. for me. I sat around the kitchen table and I said, you know, this thing I'm in trouble for, it's true. Mm. And m- my very next words were, do you still love me? Because for 40, 50 years, that's all I wanted was to... Earn, it, ...earn their love. And um, mum just goes, of course we still love you. You're our daughter and we're all human. Oh, that's beautiful. And I thought, why didn't I know this for 50 years? Yeah, yeah. Instead of believing I had to try. And I think how many of us go through life thinking... We have to try and earn people's approval and love. <laughs> but this experience of imprisonment, I would not have learnt that. So that to me was like the gold nugget out of this. Mm-hmm. Was, and the relationship with my parents since has just been amazing. I can talk to them about things I've never talked about oh, before. that's good. And, you know, my children said, Mum, through this we've learnt compassion... Because, you know, it's so easy to judge. I had this judging image of people in hospital and these stereotype thoughts that, you know, they deserve to be there. But when you go there yourself, you go, there, it's just broken lives. Yeah. So huge gold nuggets out of this. Let's take a quick breather.
0: And you're listening to Radio Blue Mountains. It's been a cracker of a show. This is the Men's Mental Health Show and Brad is here. He is in the house but uh, he's let the women in the hot seat this week, which is nice. I'm here with Penny Holbrook and Eleni and Bodie, not a woman. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Very capable and well-known, respected psychotherapist based in Wentworth Falls. Actually, um, I've got your number here. Can I give you a little plug, Bodhi, yeah, as sure. a, you're you. taking new clients?
1: Yes, I am at yes? the moment, uh, especially um, any couple work, couples that want to look look at um, developing their relationship or working through some of the themes that we've talked about oh, today. OK.
0: I'll I call mean, you later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 0424 416 969. If you need a psychotherapist, Bodie Masson. Masson. Mason. Mason?
1: Marson.
0: Marson, thank yeah. you. Yeah. He is located in Wentworth Falls. And his number again, 0424 416 969. Yeah, we've really appreciated having your company today, Bodie. It's been really hard listening to uh, Penny and Eleni's stories of, yeah, just hard times they've come through, but what's come out of it? You both look, you know, you're shining examples of getting up again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and moving forward. Living your best life.
2: Mm. Yep. Yeah. I actually find it exciting to go to sleep at night because I'm so excited about waking up the next day. How cool Especially is that? when you have something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you've got to have something <laughs> yeah. to look forward yeah. to, don't it's, you? Oh, you do. Because I say that. I've got a 14 year old son, and um, at school they tell me he's a bit depressed. Yep. He's not depressed at home. Not at all. He's flapping around, tick tocking. He's never in his room. He's always in my face. Yep. He's very engaged and got things that he's looking forward to all the time. Yeah. And I use that as a bit of a gauge. Mm. I think at school he's just going through some, you know, moody teenage stuff. And I take it seriously. But mm. And I love the teacher's feedback. Mm-hmm. But mm. um, when I'm at home I think I listen yeah. to him talking about what he wants to do on the weekend or
2: yep.
0: what, how he wants to get a caravan when he grows up. And, mm. you know, and I think mm. oh, you're doing okay mm. because you're excited mm. about the future.
2: Yeah. And that's what I do. I get excited. That's Whereas good. years ago I would be sitting at traffic lights going, I wish that semi-trailer had crashed straight right. yeah. into me. Not good. Oh, no. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Or which tree should I choose? Right. You know, so, mm. you know, that was my thought process, mm. you know, five, yeah. six years ago. Whereas and you are
0: telling me you're, you, you, the reason you love this PACER program that they've been piloting in Sydney mm-hmm. to support um, people who are right in the throes of suicidal ideology to the point where they're going to do it and mm-hmm. they can call on uh, these mm. on-site cr- crisis clinicians. You're saying that you're so pleased that the New South Wales government has actually backed it mm. the, with money. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. funded They've a lot of... Actually, t- you know,
2: the, the, the New South Wales government's putting $6.1 million...
0: Wow, dollars that's great.
2: ...into 10 uh, local police mm-hmm. area commands and districts... So I mean that's just ground. Yeah, it is something that's to be really excited about because we we
0: Australia we lose it's like an epidemic mm-hmm. suicide. We lose too many friends and family. And I've read actually that um, at least thirty five people for every suicide thirty five people suffer the flow on effects. You know in, oh, have pretty mm, are impacted long term pretty badly for for every mm. one person mm. that suicides is mm. at least thirty five people that mm. are impacted Mm. in a large way so if we can do something to avoid it yep we'd love to do more
2: and i mean so far during the program it's only been running since the 9th of june um Mm. this year they've actually uh, the, the 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 time for the police being on scene has reduced by 45 minutes so, which is unbelievable, because mm-hmm. the Pacer team is there taking control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they're, they're then making you know a lot of the decisions, you know, with the police. But it f- then is freeing up the police force to go on to you know to True. other emergencies. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're a know, finite resource <laughs> that yeah. you, you know so, we need. That's you know, that's, that's, yeah. you know the police are there to offer you know mm-hmm. other services you know throughout the community. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, Eleni, I'm sorry that you. Uh, we brought you to tears earlier you, when you had to retell story Oh, story. I'm just keeping it
3: real. And it, are, I think a lot of the time yeah. when we don't feel we can show our tears mm. is another danger of bottling things yes. up. So I, I don't apologise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know that, that that point always, yeah, brings the tears oh, on.
0: Thank you for sharing yeah. your vulnerability with us. That's welcome. So what Hello. was life like in prison?
3: Um, horrid.
0: How many years were you there for?
3: Only 11 months. Right. 11 months. Mm -hmm. But that 11 months felt like 11 years Mm because, yeah, you do – I did have a calendar which I counted down every day. I bet. Um, But to draw – to continue drawing on the things that I unlearned Mm -hmm. with my psychologist the 10 months before sentencing Mm -hmm. um, was extremely difficult for the first, you know, especially the first three months because you're – your identity is taken away. You're given a number. Mm. You're called by that number or your surname. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you wear the same clothing as every other woman in prison. So a, a lot of your everyday freedoms are taken away. So you, the potential to slip back and go into the, the bad, unhealthy thought patterns was very real. Because how do you maintain your mental health in, in an environment like prison? Mm. Um So I again reverted and suicidal ideation Mm. for the first three months. Mm -hmm. Thought I could starve myself to death here. Mm. But then I thought another light bulb moment as I sat on the floor of the cell. I thought if I go back to that thinking, I have learnt nothing Mm. through this whole thought process. So I went, no, I'm going to start believing all the things that I had relearned with my psychologist to get through the remaining time in here Mm -hmm. and when I get out of here I'm going to do something for mental health Mm -hmm. um, with the lessons I've learned Mm -hmm. and to develop um, programs Mm -hmm. to break the stigma and to do something for women who've experienced a criminal justice system.
0: Wow, so you've turned around a really... Painful, ugly, bad situation into something beautiful.
3: Yeah, and I had to. I knew that I had to practice that. The things that I learned in that prison environment, and, and the biggest thing for me was learning to speak up for myself. Right. So there was an instance where
2: I was sharing this story with Penny last yeah. night. Oh, I've just written it down yeah. so that we could Eleni could explain it.
3: Yeah. So in um, the first four months, I was in protective custody, which meant you were locked up twenty-three hours a day. So I chose to sign out and go into the main population of the prison. And when there was a, a window, we, it was called the magic window, where if you needed a, a new pair of prison issues, shoes or pyjamas or whatever, you could go in that one hour and line up and get what you needed. And I was lined up, I was probably the fifth, fifth in the line, and there was a woman in front of me who couldn't speak a word of English. And a couple of young girls tried to come in front of her. And I sat there and I thought, here's your chance to Mm. speak up and practise that assertiveness. And I went, but I was frightened. I thought, no, I'm in prison. I might get bashed. I didn't know. But I thought, no, if you can do this in here, you can do it anywhere. Small steps. Yeah. Yeah, Baby steps. Yeah. So I said, excuse me, this lady was Mm. here before you. And it was, nah, she wasn't. I said, I've been here waiting with her. ...and she's been here the whole time. Nah, we had our min cards up there. I said, no, she has been physically Mm. standing here. Mm. And... I've, there was a whole Were you lot trembling of, in your boots? Yes, trembling <laughs> but I knew, I thought I have to practice yeah. what I'm trying to yep. become stronger at yep. and a girl behind me tapped me on the shoulder and then I heard the women behind me going, yeah she was here mm. before you and they reluctantly went back to the end of the line and I just thought, oh my god, I spoke up. I put some bullies in I place. I did it, I did it and th- another woman behind me said, good on you love yep. and I just went I did something yeah. for my whole life. Yeah. It's off. A small I was win. frightened to do. Yes. But for me it was huge. Yes. So I started I you know, looked after my mental health by keeping a routine. Mm. I woke up and did an exercise routine and you know, there's no weights. I don't know what you see on TV, but a whole lot of, you know, body weight stuff and empty bottles of water and I kept a routine of exercise appropriate exercise Mm. because I knew I'd started dealing with the underlying issues so it was not inappropriate amounts of exercise um prison food is there's no healthy food in prison there's no fresh the only thing you got fresh was apples or bananas no fresh Mm. vegetables so again that mental battle that was tied in, that could easily pull me back into unhealthy behaviours, I had to fight constantly every single day. So I ate the best I could with the food I bought on buy-ups, which was, there was a set shopping list every week, a lot of unhealthy food on there. Mm. Um, So there's a lot of things within prisons that need to change if they really want to help people's Mm -hmm. mental health coming down to the basics that we have in the community about, you know, you eat well, you exercise to improve your mental health Mm -hmm. and your physical health. We need that in our prisons. Yeah. Because how are we supposed to change people's view of themselves Mm -hmm. if those things are not there? So I, you know, bought tins of tuna and microwave brown rice to eat as best I could in there, but to constantly remind me of the things that I learnt with my psychologist Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. also the the visits that I got from my family, my friends, um, the cards that people wrote, Mm. colleagues that came to visit me was that we love you no matter what. Mm. Ah, that's beautiful. And that is what strengthened me and and continued the healing that I had to do and then helped me love who I was. Mm. Bodhi, when you look at these two ladies... And hear their stories. Um,
0: yeah, what do you see as a psychotherapist? Do you see that, you know, they've come through this stronger yeah, absolutely. and absolutely haven't yeah. they done well?
1: Haven't they done well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was thinking, um, you know, that that inability to express, mm. um, you know, was a was a past reality. Mm. But in the present moment and and your future, uh, this expressiveness of both of you is so powerfully articulated. Um, and that you've, you've, you've got this jewel, jewel mm-hmm. this jewel of expressiveness. It's, it's so there. Um, and um, what an arduous journey to get to that place. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what a, um, um, I can't say enough just how much I've en- enjoyed and uh, vibrated to the power of your story, mm-hmm. the telling of your story, both of you, is, is telling of a story of recovery and of change, and of light bulb moments mm. um, and change moments that said, "No, I'm done with this. I'm done with hurting. I'm mm. done." Um, yep. And I think that's the thing I'm just so appreciating is the um, is the recovery story mm. um, and um, the dignity in which both of you have articulated that recovery story. Um, and um, you know, Penny, you you also are saying something like. I can't wait to, to get up to be engaged. Um, mm. um, that, that's such a beautiful metaphor for, mm. um, for recovery. And I, I just can't help feeling that you know, we have tyrannous thoughts that extinguish and we have recovery thoughts that create new life. Mm. Um, and, um, and so how do we, uh, the, the learning of mm. um, our thinking, um, is so is so much uh, part of our recovery. Oh yeah. And to do that work of actually saying, what is it I'm thinking? This both for men and women. Um, and um, you know, what are my negative thinking thoughts? And what are my uh, my life affirming thoughts? Mm. And what am I going to privilege? And ultimately, have to we have to make a decision about what sort of thoughts are we going to give credence to? Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, so important. So so important. And 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 today. Um, That's sitting in my mind of the power of that. And also the power of discarding old beliefs that we have that have become maladaptive. I mean, Mm. all of us create Mm. beliefs of some sort as we grow up. Mm. Um, And they may have some functionality at at that time as a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old. But they become maladaptive, and we and, and we are required to keep upgrading our sort of thinking. What am I thinking at the moment? That that is same old, same old. Um, and men, particularly, we can fall into to troughs or repetitions that are no longer um, serving us, and we and we need an upgrade. Mm, for yep. the, uh, um, so.
0: But then identifying, you know, what where we need to make adjustments. Yep. And then the willingness and the good intentions. That's all so important. But then the actual willpower to carry it through and Absolutely. to keep it going yeah. and not reverting back to those, you know, oh. to the old you. Well, that's it, why that's I think we so need to drop hard. the
3: shame of getting help yes. from a professional. Yes. 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 Because I couldn't have done it without someone else helping me see those because you don't see yourself. That's true. That's true. I, I, yeah, I wish I had a... Um Fantastic psychologist 20 years
0: ago. She moved down to Huskisson. Mm. But I, if she lived next door, I'd be seeing her once a week for yeah. sure, just my whole life. Yeah. There's
3: nothing wrong with no, it No, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Well, well done, ladies. I'm really pleased that I've met you today and thank you for sharing your story, Penny Holbrook Anna Lenny, thank and Eleni and Bodie. Thanks for coming in. It's been really nice to put a face to the name and thank you. Thank you for your experience. <laughs> I'll just um give out your number one more time as a psychotherapist working in the mountains we're always needing yeah more more good therapists that we can turn to for ongoing maintenance or to deal with Mm -hmm. issues that do come up as we change and grow you know even you said eleni after 21 years of marriage Mm. you had a a, you know a bit of a meltdown and so we're never too old to learn something new are we or to no, experience no, mm. a curveball or be mm. blindsided by something that we weren't expecting mm. so we we need good people in our support network yes. so bodie your number is 0424 416 969